Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. That's They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here today with first-time guest Jean-Luc Bouchard to talk about the song Contra Coup Off The Else. You know what's wrong with me, you know friend I What's up, man? Hey, so nice to meet you. So nice to be here. And uh, finally, you have a They Might Be Giants fan on the show. It's been a hundred something episodes. <laughs> finally, someone who likes the band comes on. I know. I, I kept finding people that are just like, you know, <laughs> I felt sorry for you. You just don't have any guests. And I, I kind of hate this band, but I just felt felt pity on you. They might be who? <laughs> It's like we're gonna be. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk about uh, what you've done with the Onion. But I, I always think of this one Onion article. Um, it would be funny if you wrote it. I don't know who wrote it. Where it was like a while back, but it was like every podcast in America looking for guests next week or something like that. Like I'm paraphrasing, and I'm like that hasn't been a problem for me. And it's funny because I've this. I'm another podcast called Best Midwestern, and. Uh, and my co-host and I, we've like his his job he's had for a couple of years. We have opposite schedules, and like our productivity is way down. It's still super fun, but I've noticed that people just want to talk about things or hear about things that they already love. They don't necessarily want to know about new things. They just yes. want to get more and more content about things they know they're already gonna like. So I don't blame them. And you know, thanks everyone who's listening. I'm not dissing you. I appreciate you. Uh, but I thought that onion article was pretty funny now you are a contributor to the onion but honestly i don't know that much about you what do you do where are you at i don't even remember where you're at i'm in new york city all right and uh yeah what do i do is an amazing question I, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a writer and an editor um and i i write music so i'm like a general um stereotype of a person who lives online <laughs> i have like 14 things i'd like to do at any given time and yeah i do some freelance writing i've had staff jobs writing humor i was a humor writer for buzzfeed for a little bit oh, nice. um, i've been a contributor to the onion for like three and a half years uh so yeah sort of a jack of all trades um all nice. of them really not very financially viable and uh yeah just a general just a general fan of writing music that uh, like four people a year get to hear. Would you consider yourself a freelancer? Would that be the right word? I am now. I, w- I just left a staff, staff job at okay. Medium for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am again, and it is like, it's always the balance of tremendous freedom, get to wake up at two, and then the, <laughs> the, 
the nebulous black hole of like, well, now I have to structure my own day, find find the work. I would yeah, not, no, yeah, it's that that, yeah. that was really tough for me. Yeah, with music stuff, I it's it's been the case where like a, the random jobs you'll get like writing like little. I wrote like little educational pieces for these like adult beginner learners learning wanting to learn like a quartet or something. Oh, um, and I write ragtime piano. So every, oh, every now and then nice. I'll, I'll do little things like that where it's like I never thought I'd do this, but it's 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 always been the best way to like learn a new technique or skill which i think is a good match with contra coup as this like <laughs> yeah, yeah this like weird competition or this weird uh challenge to write a song yeah yeah definitely uh, uh man that yeah I, I wasn't expecting uh well i wouldn't expect any guest to be like yeah i write ragtime music yeah i want to hear one of your ragtime songs i'll try to find the soundcloud link that has them to send you afterward yeah, I'll drop it in and post for sure. Do you have one in mind though that you could like uh, uh, set up and you know set up the clip, right? You're on, uh, yeah. you're on you're on Conan. Set up this clip. What are we gonna hear? <laughs> yeah, I'll send I'll send you the link to one called uh, the Job Hunt Rag. Speaking of jobs, during Ooh. a period when I was looking for work, that was very much about like the trying to do narrative rag time. Yeah. which Scott Joplin did a ton of, of, of trying to tell a story through rag. And so this is like yeah. the the peaks and valleys of trying to find work, getting a good break like actually being at a job and having a slow period. Um, so that's what you'll hear. Yeah, so you're just soundcloud.com slash Jean-Luc Bouchard. J-E-A-N-L-U-C-B-O-U-C-H-A-R-D. For those of us that aren't as French as you are. <laughs> yeah. Which is no one in this country. I mean, is that a real piano or is that a, like no, a MIDI no. keyboard? That's MIDI. Yeah. I, I, was do like, most, I do most of my stuff electronically. It's a lot easier to uh, edit and such. Uh, I use MIDI a lot for demoing stuff. Like I got my got my trusty piano right here yeah uh but micing it up like i i uh when i mic it up it's, it's usually when like the el like an album is going to be recorded i right. demo all the stuff on midi and then i disassemble this thing to record it you know i flip the top i take the front off of the piano and i put mics down at the at the feet and at the top and it's a whole ordeal uh MIDI is very convenient. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's like an it's like a sound you can't beat, and it takes five hours to get to get that like one section. And so I'm I'm too lazy to honestly do that most of the time. Looking at your SoundCloud page, you got um, Chemical Plant Zone Ragtime Piano Cover. What? Wait, is this like a Sonic level song? I yeah, see Sonic the Hedgehog. Song. Yeah, from Sonic Two. <laughs> I just think it's it's just a freaking good song, and I was like, this would be. It's got so much amazing rhythms going on. I would love to hear this as a rag. I didn't remember that song, but now that I'm hearing it, it sounds familiar. Can't say I've I played Sonic in a while. You know, honestly, me either, but it like came across my timeline at some point, that song, and I was like, I revisited it as an adult. It was was like, whoa, I, this is, I would listen, I, I, I'm a big listen to a song on repeat guy. And so I would listen to oh, it on repeat at work all day. Mm-hmm. 
Let's talk about They Might Be Giants. We need to know about your fandom. How and uh, when, how and why did you get into They Might Be Giants? I'm one of those people who I think I was like aware that of their music, but didn't know who they were for a long time through Tiny Tunes. Um, Never heard Mal- of it. Yeah, I probably the first person to mention it on the show. Mm-hmm. They're, they're Malcolm the Middle. Um, and I was I was thinking back over recently. I'm probably the probably first time I saw their name was when I when I listened to Weird Al. Everything you know is wrong because okay. uh-huh. I was such a big Weird Al fan as a kid. It was my first concert. I was obsessed with Weird Al, and I remember trying to figure out what all the songs are parodies of. Sure, and that was the yeah. first time I was like, "Wow, it's a style parody." I remember trying, thinking I was like so smart as like a fifth grader, being like, "It's like they might be giants, a band I've never heard of." I was driving on the freeway in the fast lane with a rabbit Wolverine in my underwear. When suddenly a guy behind me in the back seat popped right up. And- I want to hear how he became a fan because he was. He's a contemporary of them. They both yeah. started in the early eighties. Yeah. Uh, I'm really maybe curious. Just a little bit earlier, but it pretty well lines up. I mean, the that is such a fantastic parody yeah. of their whole, especially at the time, what they sounded like. And I, it, it, especially once I started to become a fan, and they might be giants. Back to the original question, because that was a little bit of a tangent on my end. Um, I started to listen to they might be giants seriously in high school when. Sort of out of the blue, we went to one of their concerts at Berklee College of Music in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. They did a, they did a, they did a run through a flood, and then some songs from the Els, which had just come out. Um, and the Els was the first of their albums that I owned. So oh, I have, okay. I have sort of that special connection to Contra Coup through. I, I still love the Els. I'm like a. I'm oh, like it's a weird, fucking great. Who doesn't I, like the Els? Come on. I, I think I think honestly, like there are other albums that I probably would, would choose more in a burning building to rush out and grab but it is right. i think the most like consistent coherent tonal uh start to finish i i love that the whole album has this beautiful thematic uh tie between it and i i i'm not a big album person to be honest i pick and choose songs like i said to listen to repeat one sure. month at a time and then move on and i even with they might be giants i'll bounce between albums all the time, but that is one of the albums that I will do start to finish a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I, when I heard them, I heard them play live for the first time. That's the first time I heard birdhouse, which was like a firecracker went off of my brain. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I love this. Um, And just started moving sort of chronologically through their stuff and then picking and choosing the stuff I liked and burning it onto CDs and obsessed with it in car rides, that kind of stuff. Nice. I miss making mix CDs. Uh, yeah, I actually, it's funny. My parents were here. Like, we've all gotten vaccine and all this. They were so excited to come down to do the grandparent thing. And uh, my mom likes They Might Be Giants. And it's, I mean, she didn't like them before me. She likes them because of me. Because I was always right. playing them. Even, you know, before I could drive. I'm, you know, she's letting me play my CDs in the car. And, uh, and now, like, my you know, my parents listen to the podcast like every. They're both retired now. They keep up with every episode. Like they're right on on schedule, and they're listening to me say this right now. But they. Uh, but <laughs> so my mom uh, was here, and I'm like, she only owns maybe five of their albums on CD, and I'm like, mom, have you heard 
My Murdered Remains. Have you heard the Escape Team? Because I'm like, those aren't on Spotify. Like they didn't. Right. They still haven't put them on streaming. And so I burned her <laughs> those. So sorry, uh, Jones, if you're listening, you're not. But uh, so I, I burned my mom some of your albums. So you should put them on Spotify. I think it's been long enough. It's been three years. Put them up on streaming. <laughs> we get the my idea. Poor, my poor mom. Uh, <laughs> I, I would burn CDs where I would rank the songs. I'd be like, okay, I'd reburn a CD when I realized I wanted to switch one and two <laughs> and three and seven. And so you're going we, through a lot of CDRs. I got my I got one for free once. It was next to a trash can. I got a big stack of CDs, um, and I was like, <laughs> here we go. Um, and but my mom, my mom never liked Linnell's voice, and so oh. we'd be in the car, and she'd be like, I she's like, I respect this. I appreciate you like this. I can't listen to this man sing Don't Let's Start one more time. Well, what about Flans? I think she was more into Flans. I think funny. I think he has a look I think when he did his little falsetto, she could get more behind. And he does some jazzy stuff and she's sort of a jazz person. Okay. Yeah, he'll do like his crooner voice and mm-hmm. the the swing songs, yeah. Lie Still Little Bottle, Hotel Detective, all that stuff. Yeah, he does tend to get a little more into the like the, the swing or like the the swung uh, bluesy stuff. <laughs> that's funny because most casual listeners like you think like you know your mom just listening along wouldn't be able to tell them apart because so many people say they can't tell them apart yeah and that seems weird to me but i've just been listening to the, them so long i can't remember back to if i got them confused but most casual fans would be like wait there's two guys yeah mom <laughs> yeah mom it's flansburg and it's linnell they're both named john keep it straight mom but it's funny that your mom's like just make me a Flansburg mix. <laughs> she was a she was a singer for a while. And okay. I think she she gets really she'll she'll she's one of these people's like I know what I like I can I can hear the kind of thing that I want to hear and then just I think she has a good memory for voices that'll rub her the wrong way. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the El- you were mentioning that the else how how cohesive you think it is, and I I would definitely agree with that. I mean I. I'd have to think pretty a little harder about it, maybe, but I would probably say that the else is my favorite. They might be giants from this century, because uh, I would always say, like, if I was gonna rank them, you know, I got. I mean, well, I really like Minkar, so I don't know. There's a battle there. Maybe it's the second best, because I'd probably go Apollo, uh, Lincoln, Minkar, then the else. Like, it's like my fourth favorite like i would put on the else before i put on flood maybe that's because i've overplayed flood and i've just it's like not that i'm sick of it but it's just like i lived with those songs for so long while the else even though it's 14 years old i don't know i guess it's a little fresher it's not 30 years old (laughs) it sounds also there was a bunch of albums i feel like bunched together in the late 2000s that sound pretty similar still great but i feel like there's a else is kind of this bridge between early and late in my mind definitely bias of, of me getting to it first and like me going through their discography that way but it's got this kind of like very melancholy bridge feel that i'm like okay there's something kind of yeah, special yeah. here i mean the one thing and i remember talking about this exact subject like between like where the old giants and new giants were a transition and i think it was with sean patrick cook on the wearing a raincoat episode 
because he was talking about the else. I was saying that the spine was a transition mainly because that's where Marty came in. So like yeah. at the spine, they've had the same five guys since. Uh, and the else though is this kind of anomaly. I mean, for one, they brought in an outside producer. Yeah. It's, it's the only, I mean, and it's not every song, but the dust brothers had like a big hand in it. And I think that really makes songs like, uh, you know, upside down frown and withered hope. Like they just kick ass. Cause of like this real, like kind of jittery drum machine stuff and like big horns, uh, yeah, like the amount of brass and saxophone on the else and the the guitars are louder and more distorted. It just feels not necessarily angry, but just like more in your face than like yeah, the spine, which And I I love know. the spine. The sure. Spine might be spine might be my favorite to be honest. Really? Um, yeah. Um but there is a there is an angriness about else which is like taking everything they do as a whole, which is increasingly harder because they keep producing 400 albums a year. Yeah. It's like, it is, it, it stands out to me as something where they were clearly in a mood and they did something really cohesive around it. And mm-hmm. they were like, all right, we touched this, we're moving on. And I feel like they haven't moved back to that place since in the way that sometimes they'll, they'll do these sendbacks to previous things they had done. Um, I guess the only album I would relate uh, to, well, I'm actually looking at the the wiki page for the else in Flansburg. Like they've said, you know, they don't write like in your face political songs. Like they don't name drop politicians ever. You know, they'll name drop pop pop culture icons. But right. if it's political, it's usually like a little like tampered down to where you got to dig for it. But Flansburg here, there's a quote. Um, let's see where this quote is from. Um, well, actually, first, Linnell said, uh, that period was also in the wake of the Iraq war. So we were kind of feeling bad all the time because of the shitty government that we had. It's like, it's like their Bush era record. And then Flansburg said before the project had a name, all my files were just in a folder called during the war. (laughs) It's, it's not the topic, but it is the backdrop. It was the thing that's happening that just sort of was poisoning everything around it. And Along that same line, I would I kind of think that uh, it's kind of in line with I Like Fun in that I Like Fun, they have a ton of depressing songs, but I Like Fun has this cohesive, like, just like cynicism to it in a way. Yeah. Like the songs are still poppy as shit, but it's like their Trump era record. So you've got the else and you've got I Like Fun. They're sonically, they're very different, but like the tone for both of them is pretty good pretty grim yeah and, and i like fun is is maybe my favorite of their album names what a what an amazing name might be giancy name <laughs> on one of their most depressing albums and the else honestly for being like a, a like i mean essentially one word title the else is simple but effective it's good nah. I, i'm generally a fan of of most of their titles but yeah the else the spine i'm a big the fan apparently yeah, yeah. How did you land on Contra Coup uh, with all the great songs that are on the else? Contra Coup is, uh, I it always stands out to me as is a song that I never think I'm gonna like as much as I do from They Might Be Giants because I <laughs> love their horn songs. I love like piano, keyboard, organ heavy pieces. 
and uh, I like the stuff that Flans does. That's really musical style. Like it's like a big stage production kind of piece. I feel like. Uh-huh. Uh, let me tell you about my operation. Oh and yeah. All, all the all the normal accordion, organ, keyboard heavy Linnell hits. I'm like, oh yeah, sign me up. And so for Contra Kumo is like this pared down, pretty simple little Linnell song is just like such a perfect encapsulation of the kind of lyrics he does that I love. I just think yeah. the lyrics are amazing. I think the arrangement is great. And it is, to me, it's it's like the sister song to Don't Let's Start because I think it's like thematically really? yeah. a very similar song in what it's trying to discuss. And I like that it's like a later version of a song from the same kind of guy who would sing Don't Let's Start. When my head was hit I bounced away from it Or as someone who is craniosophic would say The brain went the opposite way So, yeah, I definitely want to hear about that. But before we get too much into the lyrics, I'm going to play yeah. these. Uh, well, we got, we've got we got a demo. Uh, and so the song, well, the story behind it, do you want to say, do you want to say the story behind it? It's on the trivia. Uh, I know you know the, the general story. And we're going to play a live clip where Linnell also tells the little story, um, how, uh, what, what, what the impetus was for uh, Linnell writing this. Yeah, he goes on the radio show, The Next Big Thing. And uh, he's challenged basically to write a song using these three words that are at risk of, of dropping out of the English lexicon, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's contra coup, which is basically like a head injury where your brain strikes the front and then the back of your brain, or vice versa. It hits one side of the inside of your skull and then the other. On the rebound. Right. And I'm sh- <laughs> I, I hope we get a lot of doctors watching, uh, listening to this episode who are just going nuts at the way that we describe what Contra Coup is. Um, yeah, it'll be, it, it's funny because I, I will be t- talking to Justin McElroy pretty soon about the captain, but I should mention, I should ask him because his wife, his wife yeah. yeah, is a doctor and they do sawbones. I, I like, and I, I've listened to so many of my brother, my brother and me. Uh, I came to it late, so I don't think I've, I haven't gotten through all of them, but, uh, I haven't listened to that many Sawbone ones, and I, I I don't know if they've talked about. Uh, I'm sure they've talked about phrenology, yeah, in some I, way. But have they talked about uh, the injury, the the country crew injury? Uh, so I'll 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 try to remember to bring that up. Uh, but it is it. Well, let's listen to the demo. So that yeah. this challenge was thrown down. Uh, and he wrote the song in 2005, so then the Elsa version was 2007. But let's go ahead and I will plop in the demo right here. You know what's wrong with me. You know phrenology. You saw my injury. You can tell just by looking at my skull. So, uh, you like the demo? I do like the demo. It's 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 different. I think the the core of it is there. I like. I think the yeah. guitar sounds great. I it love does. that 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 sort of uh, kind of grossy, like grungy sound. Um, yeah, yeah. Without the without the without the 
the second guitar pair to it, which I feel like makes it a little bit more angelic sounding in certain parts. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. That little, when the electric comes in, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got just like this real kind of percussive kind of power pop kind of quality. This little like, kind of like a, uh, I don't know, Elvis Costello talking heads kind of thing. which is like, jint, 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 just real like pointy. Um, yeah. But but bright, yeah, like angelic, like real bright. But the the acoustic guitar is so low. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's playing E's a lot and uh, just kind of like power chords, pretty much just the dun dun dun. And on the demo, it I think it I think the grungy thing is almost because it was like recorded. I wouldn't say poorly, but like yeah. <laughs> the gain was too high or something like the mic was too hot or something like it sounds dirtier in a way that I don't think was intentional, but I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. It's, yeah. I think um, it's abridged, obviously. Um, it's yeah, a minute 35. I, I, I really like the bridge of the song. So it's missing that sort yeah. of essential function to me, but I, and there's a, what is, what is the lyric difference on the demo? Uh, the, where is it? Oh yeah. So, uh, the second one was worse by far than the first. Cause the first just left me feeling inert. Yeah. But the Contra crew woke my feelings for you. So, uh, loses a rhyme there, right? So the, yeah. the inert, cause the first one woke my f- feelings for you, but the Contra crew made my words untrue. So, okay. So it swaps the woke my feelings for you. And then puts the untrue line so there's no inert inert is not a word in the final lyrics is it no no i don't believe so i and that's that that to me is also i remember i mean i'm so used to the song whenever i hear the demo version i'm like well good swap the the way it ends up is a is a much smoother move through that chorus um and i love seeing stuff like that where even someone like john linnell it's not perfect right away you know It's it's already really good because it's John Linnell, but he's he's like yeah that could be better and he and he he adjusts it and I mean there's very little percussion on the track the tr- the the wiki says it's a metronome but it's just kind of like a little like a little I assumed it was just like a tinny little drum machine but the wiki says it's just a metronome and then uh, yeah the two keyboards one is a bass a keyboard bass because I was listening to that before I even looked and I'm like. I don't think that's a real bass, but it's like a bass guitar sounding patch. So it's very simple. And does the wiki have the credits for the demo? It does not. I'm assuming the Flans plays the guitar, but what if Linnell played the guitar and that's why it sounds kind of <laughs> grungy? It adds to the sound of it, yeah. When my head was hit I bounced away from it Or as someone who is craniosophic would say The brain went the opposite way <laughs> He's been known to play guitar on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can handle this. It's a, it's an E5. It's two strings. I can do it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It, it is such a guitar friendly song for being a Linnell song yeah but Linnell's songs are usually so hard for guitar players yeah and I've found this out uh, I mean sometimes by playing guitar but also like I had this pseudo 
band uh, called the Exquisite Dead Guys, and we do the theme. Like the theme of the podcast is me, uh, Matt Monta, and Jerome Hammersbach, and um, Matt's playing guitar. I play keyboards, and um, I also did some bass on some songs. Like when we did the Mesopotamians, I learned kind of learned Danny's bass part, which mm-hmm. Mesopotamians another fantastic uh else track and we also know uh we learned climbing the walls that's where uh god the else is so good uh like a top five they might be giant song for me i haven't done that episode yet Uh, but i think spoiler alert i'm pretty sure i'm gonna give it a 10 it is just so good and and i learned it on on the synth like i have an old uh, uh analog synthesizer um it's six voice polyphony, but that's enough to play climbing the walls and I'm playing it. And like, it makes total sense under your hands, like the walking, you know, but you look at the, like your left hand walking down, but you look at the guitar chords and you're like, Jesus Christ, it's a nightmare for a guitarist. And they've told me as such, like Matt is like, God damn it. He's like, do I capo this? Do I not? Like, it's just like entirely bar chords. It's just like all over the place. Um, but Contra Coup, it's just, I mean, it's in every guitarist's favorite, or every beginning guitarist's favorite key, E major. <laughs> and it's just kind of, uh, yeah, the chorus is just G, D, C. I mean, a million great songs have been written with those chords, so why not? But it's just so uh, simple. I mean, you get like a C sharp minor in there. And a B7. But for a Linnell song, it's pretty... It's a guitar-friendly song. Really friendly. And and rhythmically, it... You know, they do, a, they do a number of songs that I... am always blown away by what they can do with just, you know, quarter and half note strikes. And just, like, sticking to a really strong 4-4 four, four rhythm. And mm-hmm. Contra Coup, the way the the keyboard comes into the chorus and just like the general vibe of it being like da 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 da, yeah, it's, it sounds so good. And if I was writing a song based on a challenge and I knew I had to put this on the air, I would be so in my head about, well, I got to mix it up a little bit. I got to get a little syncopated. I got to and just you know, obviously it's not it's not strictly all quarter notes, but it is just it's so good at what it is it's so good pared down and then the the eventual else version with the with the bridge added in makes it way better just because you have that diversity of sound and it really makes you appreciate how good the verse and choruses are and it makes what what is maybe a more simple quote-unquote linnell song uh chord wise it you know it adds some complexity to it there with uh with those shifts which is to say how it goes in terms no one knows and as if the choice were slim as if there's no synonym is there anything let me see looking at the credits it is just the main crew uh all the dudes no extra musicians like we talked about horns no horns on here no accordion on here. There's no accordion on the else at all, I don't believe, which no, none. is a strike against it. But I know. it's, I mean, that's just... Breaks my heart. It's, it's kind of weird, honestly. But it's a great song. Like you said, it's simple. Uh, and the demo that, that he wrote for that challenge was very simple. 
but it was all there. And then the way he built off of that and that lyrical switch to take it to the else version, just like, uh, it didn't need anything else. I, you know, the, the added bridge, I love the bass. I love the, the way the bass, um, when it goes into that higher register sounds like confused. It's like asking these like questions at the same time that he is, you know, the, the, the song has this kind of second person point of view where it's, it's like going on a diatribe. Basically it's like talking in the, that first line, you know, what's wrong with me is sort of like what you would say to someone you're mad at. And it, in the, the combination of like the confidence in what he's saying, along with sometimes the bass is basically being like, we're a little more confused than we think. And then the ending <laughs> of the song where it starts going really fast and you're like, things are getting out of control. It's just, he does the arrangement of it. And especially that, that time pickup at the end is just a great, these like tiny little, not even tricks, but these tiny little techniques that add so much to what could be such a straightforward song. Linnell songs are always complex in some way. So if it's mm-hmm. not complex musically, there's enough there lyrically to dive into. Or if it's more simplistic uh, lyrically, like a straight ahead, straight ahead song, like like James K. Polk, there's not a whole lot yeah. to get into with like metaphors. It's just right there on the surface. Um, but then you think about the music, and it's got singing saw in it, and it's got like there's cool stuff going on musically. So there's always something there. Uh, and with flying songs too, it's just, you know, we're talking about a Linnell song. There's always plenty to dig into and just like, you know, I'm glad he didn't make it any more complicated. And that baseline is amazing. And, and Danny Wankov loves playing up on the neck and yeah. I, I'm a sucker for it. Like listening to, like, I almost always am listening to the song I'm going to talk about, you know, in a, in that week. Like while I'm walking the dog, I'll just listen to like a bunch, like even if Mm -hmm. it's a song I'm super familiar with and like just having like headphones or earbuds on, like really focusing in on what each individual instrument is doing. And you'll, you'll always notice during the wine coffee, you'll always notice some little thing he does that you might not have noticed before because it's not like showy, but it's just like a counter melody or just a little fill like mm-hmm. he is a fantastic bass player and i've been blessed to have him on the show a few times and uh, it's been a little while but he, uh we email every once in a while and he's just a solid dude and like probably one of my favorite bass players out there and i wouldn't say it's just because of they might be giants i wouldn't say he's my favorite bass player but the shit he comes up with is awesome it it, it doesn't like dwarf like what's going on in the song it doesn't try to take over the song it's not showy but it's just always interesting never boring and i like the bass part it sounds confused which (laughs) i mean you're you're the writer that is definitely uh i i I would agree with that but i never would have thought to to, uh say that (laughs) it's a it's a great song i think in terms of like you trying to figure out what the perspective of it is. It's like, what point of view is it trying to get across? I think in, uh, in the music jail episode, you guys were talking about, uh, 
um, and now I forget the terminology that you used. Oh, the characters that these they, they sing from these characters, and this is a song to me that just feels so much like I know what this sounds like when someone talks to you this way because it's a relationship that's not good. You know, it's like this, <laughs> right, right, right. It's this. It's this. Like <clears throat> my 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 personal very biased. Uh, way I've always thought about the song is that it's like the anti-love at first sight song that it's basically saying just because something hit you really hard does not mean it's good. Uh, and, uh-huh. and it's this feeling of like, you know, the impulse is strong, but the connection is weak. And it's the, it's this like fear of moving toward what feels the strongest because it can like really hurt you. And this, uh, the, one of the other words that they were challenged to use was limerent, which is basically like, uh, limerence is it's like obsessive basically like toxic love it's this mm-hmm. like you're way too obsessed about this you it, it's not it's not pollyanna love and i think this song does a great job of constantly returning to this theme of there are degrees of of feelings and there are synonyms that we can use beyond just the word love or like or happy to describe how we're feeling because a lot of times these things can become very messy and I, and I, and whether or not it's a literal like rebound, as the song says, if it's like a rebound relationship, or it's just you fell in love with someone, you've gone back to them, or you fell in love with someone, but the relationship is bad now, but you still love them. It, I think the song really does a good job laying out the case that there is like not a binary choice as popular media has presented it of like, I'm in love or I'm not in love. And the line you mentioned a minute ago that, uh, though the impulse is strong, the connection is weak. Uh, and he saves it. till the very end of the song, like that's not in the demo. It's like no. a little twist on the, um, on the chorus. It kind of, it's like an extension and it's like the perfect line. And he saves it till the very end. And it's this kind of thing where you could be talking about brain misfirings because of some sort of injury but it also is clearly uh, terms that you could use for a relationship. I love the, uh, you know, you know, when, when I mentioned earlier, don't let's start. I, I've yeah, always oh, like, yeah. yeah, I want to hear I've about this. Personally, I've always personally like come to don't let's start as this is someone who wants to be in a relationship with someone and knows it's going to be very bad if they do it and is trying to convince them like, we shouldn't do this because this is going to end really badly. I like want to, but it, I, you, I already know you have the characteristics of someone who's going to hurt me. And I have always loved Contra Coup is the feeling of like, that's someone who didn't take their own advice and went through with it and is now dealing with the second stage of this, which is we did it, it was great. And now the second part, the breaking up or the returning or the rebound is so much more painful because we made that earlier decision for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. God, it's such a good song. I loved it so much that when they played the Bluebird, I was in Bloomington, Indiana at the time because my wife was in school there. We were there for a while, and they 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 actually played like some college towns, which they hadn't done in a while. Went to see them at the small club, the Bluebird. Fucking amazing show. It was only the second time I'd seen them. They didn't play Contra Coup, and I remember I was actually trying to find... Um, I wasn't on... I wasn't on Facebook at the time. I was kind of late to Facebook. So in 2007, I wasn't on Facebook. There was something I remember like yelling into the internet. 
why didn't you play Contra Coup? Like, I just loved the song yeah. so much. It was so catchy. And getting to sing all these words, you don't usually sing. Like, it just felt like such a They Might Be Giant song. What other band would write a song about these words? Nobody. And that's why the challenge was thrown to him. And I just loved it so much. And they didn't play it. Um, it's, uh, speaking of those words, we haven't really... Um, like we kind of jump straight to the you know the deeper meaning or the you know uh, getting into the metaphors. We didn't really talk about phrenology. Do you know all that much about this? Um, Wikipedia calls it alternative medicine, a pseudoscience. Uh, do you know much about phrenology, like the history of that? Because I don't know a whole lot. I know, I know a little bit of it. I, it's often it's something I've like sometimes seen used. You know, mostly I hear it used as like a, a term in jokes because it is so. It's like such a stand-in for the bad science of the 19th century. Right. It mixed with the like super uh, regressive and racist ways in which they use science in in that time period. Mm -hmm. Um, But this idea that you can feel the bumps on someone's skulls to be like, this person is a genius, this person is an idiot. Um, And... It's, it's the same time period in which they were measuring skulls, where they were doing all of these um, really ba- backwards ways of trying to evaluate people. It, it's basically a way to show these people we already think are superior to others. Let's try to let's try to objectify it. Mm. Let's try to put some objective truth to it. Um, but it is I I've, I've, it's I think with phrenology, people are probably going to be familiar with these like crazy images uh, that look like old-timey maps of human skulls with like different areas charted out uh if anyone is a fan of the roots the roots have an album called phrenology and it's just like that Mm -hmm. on on the front um and i I mean it's a drawing i'm not sure if that's supposed to be uh one of them i mean it's not like the traditional like old school looking uh bust i guess but like and it has little things like little sayings and words in the different areas of the brain uh but it's called phrenology and it's a good album but the thing i always think of is uh you know the simpsons jokes that you know mr burns is incredibly old 110 or whatever they say there's this uh i don't know if you're as big a simpsons fan as i am huge are you sure this is the woman you saw in the post office? Absolutely. Who could forget such a monstrous visage? She has the sloping brow and cranial bumpy to the career criminal. Ah, uh, sir. Phrenology was dismissed as quackery 160 years ago. Of course you'd say that. You're the brain pan of a stagecoach tilter. It goes along the lines of, like, all the stuff they would do to people's heads, like bloodletting and stuff like that. Yeah. There's so much fucked up stuff back there. It is so funny about this time period and the way in which they were trying to use medicine to make these, these like, insane claims was that they were so invested in the idea that the bigger the organ, the stronger or smarter it is. Uh-huh. And so... They were just like, I mean, even even as late as when Einstein died and they were obsessed with cutting up his brain and showing that his brain was unusually large. Um, is you know, that's like what the the fifties, it's like mid-century, and you're like, it it is it's this reversion to humans being like, Yeah, yeah. you know, probably the, the big headed kid is probably smart, right? Like that is just <laughs> so funny to me that people are printing that in medical journals. I love that. <laughs> I- I don't. I don't. I don't remember that. The well, I don't remember hearing that thing about his his brain. So I mean, phrenology had lo- had been dismissed long before that. But that's funny yeah. that uh, like Wikipedia has a thing from. I mean, around the turn of the century, it was still going strong. I mean, the turn of the twentieth century. Um, 
I can't really find any sort of exact uh, date of like, I thought I'd find something where like, uh, oh, it was actually, it says it was mostly discredited as a scientific theory by the 1840s. But yeah, there's this diagram that uh, has a phrenology chart in Webster's Academic Dictionary from 1895. Well, I don't know. So I guess it started falling out of favor already by the latter half of the 19th century. But um, yeah. Probably more popularly like known than actually something that doctors were doing. Well, I guess we can give humans some credit that it started falling out of favor, but even though it was being discredited, it seems like a lot later than that, it was still being used for uh, to justify horrible uh, assumptions about people or, or arresting people and, and shit like that. It's fucking weird. <laughs> people are people will find any way to they can to be. Uh, uh, horrible to other people yeah i was looking up uh, limerence too like made me limerent that uh that word i i, I it's this is a very interesting um you know w- wikipedia while people say it isn't the most credible source it is just an easy place to go uh look up shit like this and uh it looks like that word wasn't coined until 1979 i assumed it was an older term uh I mean, you know, talking about phrenology and stuff, I kind of assumed that it was an older term. Um, but yeah, psychologist Dorothy Tenov coined the term in 1979 in a book called Love and Limerence, The Experience of Being in Love, to describe a concept that had grown out of her work in the mid-1960s when she interviewed 500 people on the topic of love. So it's while not exclusively sexual, um, it's uh, like attachment theory is, is what they, the phrase they use. Um, an involuntarily, uh, an involuntary, potentially inspiring state of adoration and attachment to a limerent object involving intrusive and obsessive thoughts, feelings, and behaviors from euphoria to despair contingent on perceived emotional reciprocation. So it's, I mean, in layman's terms, I guess like, uh, unhealthy obsessions with someone or something that. I mean, I guess it sounds like it could be not even a person obsessed yeah. with, with just anything and your emotions are dictated by this like imagined, I don't know. Am, am I reading that right? I mean, that's kind of, that's always the, that's always the sense I got from Limerick. Um, and I, yeah, I, until I, until I was looking up for this episode, I had no real, I didn't realize how recent a word it was and yeah. it gives should give us hope that we can invent a word in our lifetime. If they're right? inventing them as, as recently as then. Um, <laughs> I always think, I always think it's so funny that, you know, a band that's so obsessed with songs about heads exploding <laughs> and, and heads that have brain problems and, and, you know, faces imploding and all those different songs that reference these things that someone challenges them to write a song about brains getting messed up. And it's, uh, it's like their most depressing version of it. it. It's like, it's like rooted in these like bad traditions and it's rooted in these like depressing psychological terms. And uh, it's, it's just, it, it stands out to me as like, there's something about the specificity of the, the way that the song had to be written based on having to use those words that when you have to conjure up the imagery of a brain hitting the inside of your skull and then ricocheting onto the other side, it, uh, 
it's like forces Linnell to take away the terminology he usually uses about exploding and imploding and all that stuff because it's like too literal. And uh-huh. and then I think it in that sense, it sort of makes it have to be a song about something else, about like a relationship or about love, which is such a great little inversion of what I feel like they often do, which is it's, you know, using these really cartoony visuals really effectively. And in this one, it's almost trying to dampen down a very literal, medical, psychological terminology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it is an interesting song in that way, because, I mean, he says the word contracude so many times. Yeah. And stuff like, well, for, again, another word that probably has never been in a, at least in a pop song, uh, or as someone who is craniosophic would say, like, like craniosophic, he's referencing phrenology. Like I, I, I'm like, well, someone who knows things about the cranium. Yeah. It's someone who like, oh, you're, you're good at phrenology. You're craniosophic. Like, how do you come up with this shit? It's just, uh. I mean, you got to think like he's just like having a little chuckle to himself where he's like, look at this word I found. I'm going to put it in the song. <laughs> For sure. I think and I think the the song has always been great to me, too, because there there are like I feel like explicit jokes about that. He's writing the song in it when he's like as if there's no synonym. He's yeah. kind of like, look at uh-huh. this thing I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, don't, we probably don't need the word, you know craniosophic anymore yeah it's couched in terms no one knows right it's funny it's a those moments of levity are just so so much why i love this group and yeah it's i think i think there's this implicit like i was made to do this and this is what it looks like but i'm still gonna make it good yeah and i think the levity is is a necessary element of they might be giants because yeah if like i did a patreon episode called they might be emo and we talked about their most emo lyrics but the thing is that even like don't don't let's start was one of them i think um which i wanted to bring back up but like even in a song where you say you know everybody dies frustrated and sad and it's beautiful it still has the deputy dog dog a ding ding like it still has like a moment that like you could chuckle at before you know they get back to being really really depressing and this song has has that too it's got the kind of meta thing like oh i I, i'm singing about words that nobody knows and then i'm gonna just continue singing them uh and it's about an injury uh, and and if it, if no one's seen a medical diagram of a contracute injury, I suggest you go look at it. Um, they're pretty hilarious, though. Getting that injury would not be hilarious. The uh, diagram and the song uh, are still kind of funny, <laughs> and it needs that. So I wanted to know about the "Don't Let's Start" connection because I feel like it's kind of been tiptoed around a little bit, but I don't know if I've gotten the full uh, connection that you're making between the two. So did you say this is like, you're saying this is like a sequel to Donuts or like a partner? Uh, how, how are you comparing the two? Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of like a follow up, like a sister song. And I'm sure mm-hmm. this is what's going to make everyone unsubscribe because it's the most, <laughs> it's the most like personal uh, individually biased view of these two songs. But this, this idea that it's like, um, you know, it's, it's too, it's, it's, it's actually like, it's like the antithesis of what so many songs are written about, which is it's this idea. So many like major hit songs are about let's take the chance. Let's, let's jump into the night. Let's fall in love. Let's like uh-huh. be yeah. bold. And I feel like these two songs are like, no, 
actually, <laughs> actually, I think I think we shouldn't do these things. It'd be, <laughs> Let's and, and not. Love, love can hurt you, and I you know I think too when uh, on your on your Don't Let's Start Live episode when you played the the demo and everyone was like, "That's the most depressing song I've ever heard." Um, that's sort <laughs> yeah, of that was a long time ago, man. I do remember that, yeah. Oh man, and it's true though. It's like I love "Don't Let Start," but it is it is on its face very much like actually. I think this is too painful for me to do. And Contra Crew is like, this was really painful, and it's going to be painful again, or it's already been painful again. And there are you have to sort of make a decision about if you are going to see things in black and white terms, they will probably hurt you. Is how I've always thought about it. Oh, I'm looking back at the email. We didn't talk about the alternate version. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Uh, uh, quickly, because I don't think it's all that different. They had the different an alternate. Yeah. yeah, the alternate version that apparently uh, they had on their MySpace, and that was like the place you would listen to it in 2007. Uh, God, I miss MySpace. It was so much better than the shit we got now for musicians at least uh what yeah what did you think of this i'll, I'll drop a clip of this alternate version now. The last chord really, really lasts a long time, but the the tempo change is really aggressive in that it one. It really picks up. I like, I like, I like the the ferocity of it. I think on the album it probably works better as they kept it. It would be, mm-hmm. a, it may be a little jarring to then suddenly cut to the next song. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fun. I mean, it's, I don't know if I would have been like, "This has got to go up on the MySpace." These folks have got to hear this slightly different version. But it is, <laughs> it's uh, as a standalone, it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. As far as yeah, like why they put it out. Uh, I mean, I guess on the chronology, they're both listed as two thousand seven, but I don't think we have an exact date as to where it went up when it went up in the MySpace. Oh, it was added on May eighteenth to the MySpace, and hold on. I, I know the years that the albums came out, but when did the else come out? So it was May 18th. Then they, May they put it on the MySpace three days after the album was released. So people had just heard the album. People had just heard Contra Coup. And then three days later, they're like, also, there's this other version of, of it. That's, <laughs> uh, that's odd. That seems like a weird choice. It's weird. I respect the weirdness of it. They're known for doing weird things, so uh, I'm, I can't say I'm that surprised. Now let's listen to this uh, live version. So this is uh, 2015 in Brooklyn, and even though it's much after uh, the else, Linnell does preface it with the the, the little story. So let's uh, I'll drop this in and let's hear him. Let's hear him tell it. So we were supposed to write a song using three words that are apparently in danger of disappearing from the English language. There's something oh, wow, I've never seen this one before. Good riddance <laughs> to the words. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but the words were limerent, uh, uh, craniosophic. <laughs> I never used those words uh, casually. Uh, and of course, contrapune, which is Yeah. 
This really sounds great, and it's uh, Richard Green is the YouTube channel. This guy filmed it. Um, yeah, May thirty first, twenty fifteen. I'll probably play. A, I don't know if I'll play this whole four minutes, but I got to play a little of the back half because the the guitar solo is awesome. follows the album version but he takes it up a little higher and ornaments it a little bit but the dynamics don't come come down as much on the bridge because Linnell is still just like yeah like laying on those organ chords that's uh, the big thing that I've always liked about this is the 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 heft of the organ chords and the chorus and the bridge are awesome I I, I love that sound it sounds so good in this recording It's a little faster than the album version, but not quite as fast as the alternative version. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a nice little mix of all the cool things about this song while it's like rocked out just a little harder. And in a live setting, you know, I don't blame them for just, you know, did they even have an acoustic guitar with them? You know, it's not something that they, they, they take out a whole lot. Um, I've seen him play acoustic on tour, like James K. Polk, though, that, I mean, that's got to be acoustic. Like, you can't. You could play it on electric guitar, but it wouldn't sound right. So, like, occasionally they'll bust out an acoustic, acoustic guitar, but on this version, it's full-on uh, rock version of Contra Coup. Anything else to say on the They Might Be Giants version of their own song uh, before we get into other people's versions of this song in the cover section? No, I think, I think I'm all Contra Coup'd out on their end. I'm yeah. to hear the other ones. All right, so let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. Reliant K? I think I've heard of them. Aren't they Christian or something? Don't they spell Reliant wrong? Well, you won't have to answer these questions for yourself. We're Jess and Danny, and on our show, Sadie Hawkins Pod, we're going song by song through Reliant K. You may have heard our crossovers with This Might Be a Podcast, and we're still doing our thing looking at the band that we think might be the perfect match of geeky rock like TMBG combined with 2010's pop punk. Even if you're familiar with Reliant K from their songs like Be My Escape, Who I Am Hates Who I've Been in Deathbed, we haven't even done those songs yet and we think you'll learn some surprising things about the band if you check out Sadie Hawkins Pod. Listen now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most anywhere podcasts are found. And we'll see you at the next punk rock show. Uh, wrong band. Oh, uh, wait. Uh, we'll see you on your deathbed. You know what's wrong with me. You mentioned, so in our emails back and forth, um, we threw some covers around and then I kind of collected them together. And you brought up 
a guy named Astro B. Tell me about uh, oh. uh, your your thoughts on uh, Astro B. I don't know who this could possibly be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this it's it's like impossible to understate how this so Daryl Till's YouTube channel Astro B. It like hit me at exactly the time of my life where I was like teaching myself piano was becoming so obsessed with They Might Be Giants, and he did so many amazing piano covers that he might be giants and mm -hmm. very kindly filmed his hand so i could learn a lot of it along the uh -huh. way with him yeah um yeah some some i mean i he, i love metal detector i love his version of metal detector mm -hmm. i love i love uh where your eyes don't go and he does it with the metronome which is amazing and uh, yeah he, yeah yeah <laughs> which is such a blast um, i i haven't done that episode either but i do remember coming across it uh because uh, I don't, I don't typically dig for cover versions of a song that I'm not talking about yet. Because there's just, there's a lot of work that goes into this podcast, despite uh, what people might think. And like searching for covers, like it, it'll, it'll take a minute, especially if it's like a classic song. Yeah. I was, I was excited to find, uh, you know, we're gonna have uh, three covers to talk about, which I was kind of worried we wouldn't have enough. Um, but Daryl has done so many deep cuts. Like Contra Coup, I would, I mean, would you consider it a deep cut on the else? I'd say it's like a mid cut. Because it's track 11 out of yeah. 13. I got that right. Like it's way deep. I mean, the Mesopotamians is last. So like that, ju that just tells you how good the else is. That yeah. Contra Coup is 11 and Mesopotamians is 13. Uh, but like it's not, it wasn't the hit single. No. Um, it's not one that you. He, well, how many times have they played this live? I guess I didn't look at the play count. It only has twenty six known performances. I know. So I'm, I'm always, I'm always like dying yeah. to see it live. I've never seen it live. Love. I this know. Song. I told you. Yeah. I was, I was cursing that they didn't yeah. play it. They've only played twenty six times. It seems like such an easy song to just knock out. Uh, it's not long. It's not complicated. It's, uh, it seems like a crowd pleaser from that live version we played. But yeah. so like Daryl playing a song, you know, that's th that they might be giants almost never play, mm -hmm. uh, is pretty cool. And he's also been played in many Patreon episodes where I cover like, like he does like monopuff covers. He does like state songs covers. Yeah. He's, he's just all over everything. This was recorded live in my kitchen. Interesting pop fact, <laughs> the low hum you can hear in the background is my chest freezer. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, and for this track, I was too lazy to learn the solo, so I did a number two style human wah-wah. So I, I, he's talking about number two from Here Come the One, Two, Threes, I assume, right? Yeah, the wah-wah. He kind of sings the solo. I'll have to make sure that that part is in there. He, oh, you gotta he, get it. It's classic. 
he sings the solo and and uh this morning someone uh by the name this might be a podcast commented i have absolutely no idea who you are dear sir but this is awesome especially the guitar solo <laughs> amazing I, I commented on that specifically uh just this morning um i always let daryl know that his covers are being played and i feel like i should make him some sort of trophy uh i should mail him a trophy that says most played most covers <laughs> played award this might be a podcast uh hero of a generation seriously the it's it's the freezer incredible. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm a big fan of the Mountain Goats and that early stuff, like the the grinding of the cassette wheels on his boombox. This is like, it's almost like another instrument. I like a good lo-fi uh, uh, cover. And for 2008, I could definitely forgive something like that. And uh, Daryl is great and is recording a, a cover for me right now for a special secret project. That rocks. So Daryl's version is amazing. Let's move on to one by somebody I uh, don't know. The YouTube channel. I'm not sure how you, how you would pronounce this. If it's an acronym, if it's, I don't, I don't even know. The YouTube channel is N D N R B. Do you have any idea what that, does that mean anything? Or is that just, I, I don't even know what that is. Well, if you don't know what it means, I won't tell you. I mean, it's <laughs> very well known. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's gibberish. If it's not, they did a very good job covering up what it is. Nud nudrib. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure it out if it was maybe something with the vowels removed, like people do, like bands like to do. Let's just take the vowels out. I can't make anything of it. Um, so this dude does an acoustic cover, but it does not sound like the original. Uh, really, very much at all. So let's hear. This guy, Rocket. What do you think of this? I I love this. I think it's awesome. It's like different. It, it's yeah. the, the the chords are changed up, right? Like it's not. Well, he capos it. I mean, yeah. I've talked about how easy a guitar song this is. It's in E, but rather yeah. than just playing like open E's or like a, a power chord E, he capos it on the sixth fret, and he even in, he comments on his own thing. And this is eight years ago. Eight years ago. Um, Oh, let's see. He uploaded it 11 years ago. And then for some reason, eight years ago, made a comment on his own video that says sixth fret capo. Well, I assume he's fretting as a D. Yeah, he's fretting as a D, but he's capoed up on, on the sixth. So he plays it as if uh, for his fingers, as if it's in D, but it's capoed up to the sixth fret. So it's got such a different sound to it. It's totally it. It feels the joyful parts of the melody, especially in the chorus, sound so joyful. And then it it dives into this melancholy that feels very like folk music. Um, the way he sings the chorus is just like it's a totally different song. It sounds awesome though. I, yeah. I it's I remember I I I heard this I saw this cover a while ago and I remember being like, uh, this is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like a really by the book contra coup cover. And then I returned to it when you sent it my way and I was like, I love this. I'm honestly going to listen to this a lot, I think, because it is just like, 
there's there's like a very beautiful individualistic and like singular voice take on it that is is especially in the chorus it's just like rocks it is a it really hits home sometimes sometimes i have to listen to a cover of a linnell song to really hear how pretty the melodies are on on these songs it is so pretty Swapping a minor chord for the relative major of it so that it doesn't sound wrong, but it sounds happier. I'm having trouble putting my finger on it. In the country crew on the remand, uh, the second was worse by far. There's something that he's swapped out. I can't quite put my finger on it, and it kind of changes the melody of the singing too. Is it? Is it? Is it the added? The added E minor. I feel like that's. I feel like oh, when I maybe. I think when I play the song, I'd usually go the straight G D C. I think even if you watch the Astro B, it's pretty G D C. And I, I could be totally wrong here, and everyone can fight me. But it, I think something about the way he's hitting that sounds very different to me. Yeah, there is an E minor. Well, it's an E minor shape. He's capable, yeah. but he's playing more chords because in uh, the. Yeah, on the original, it's just G, D, C, and it stays on the C. But he bounces to, uh, oh my god, the capo's fucking me up. He bounces to, um, because the shapes he's playing, he adds a fourth chord. I think he's going, basically, if you were playing the original key, I think he's going G, D, C, D, like he bounces back to... Yeah, he bounces back to the five. So instead of just going one five four, he's going one five four five. Yeah, I think something I, there, there's extra chord movement that doesn't happen in the original that makes it kind of bouncy and more happy or something that I can't quite put my finger on, but I I like how it feels. <laughs> I think I think it's one of those cases where it's like more when you add in that little minor touch or whatever he's doing, it actually yeah. makes it sound happier it the, the way he's singing it is very and instead of this upbeat feel or this sort of more like beautiful melodic feel mm-hmm. um but you know with the capo i'm too stupid on guitar to like follow it <laughs> it, it is i'm so it's one of those cases where i'm so grateful that eight, eight years ago he decided to write out these chords on a youtube comment i'm like oh yeah it's kind of like boggling like i i just can't figure out why he would have even begun to start capoing it up that high. It just seems like a funny choice, but the end result is very pleasing. It's, it's, it's like, uh, like, I don't know how he got there, how he ended up with this six fret and this changed chord progression. Cause it doesn't, I mean, if, if he did that and played it along with the original, well, he couldn't play it along with the original. He's put it in a different key. Yeah. Um, but like, Usually when you're covering a song, you start by just learning it straight up. Even if you plan on changing it, you usually just like figure out, okay, what are the chords? But here he's like, I'll just kind of like do it the way I think it goes and not really worry too much about that. I I mean, yeah. that's sort of like, it's like that, 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 I remember when I was trying to learn Birdhouse for the first time and I was like barely able to do anything on keyboard and I, 
didn't even think like I could probably look up these chords. And I just remember the version that I put together was like some sort of insane Frankenstein serviceable combination yeah. of chords. And then when I learned the chords, I was like, oh, but, but there, is a, <laughs> yeah. there is a beauty that comes from these like people figuring it out. And it, it, this is a case where I'm like, I don't know how I got there. Like you're saying, it sounds great. And I like figuring stuff out by ear. It's more satisfying to me. And yeah. half the time, I mean, I am a music teacher and I took classical composition classes and all that. So like, it's kind of satisfying to me to do it by ear, but lots of times you just go and cheat. You're like, I just want to figure this out real quick. Let's go look. And the wiki is often, it's usually correct because since it's a wiki and I've done this, if I find something wrong, I fix it. Whereas if you go on like ultimate guitar or any other chord site, there'll just be like seven versions of a, of a popular song. You're like, all right, which one has the best star rating? And then you go on that and that might even be wrong. So um, this guy, I think just didn't look at any chord charts and it's almost like he just started singing. We're like, what chords do I think fit the song that I know? And it's just, uh, it's just a cool different kind of uh different kind of cover like he's playing the same instrument that they might be giants play in the song but he's not playing it in any way close to the way they do in the original right it's not like it's a it's not like a sitar or a koto and you're like okay i see how they would have to <laughs> right. change this up yeah right he decided to cover it on a hurdy-gurdy yeah <laughs> uh, i mean uh, that would be cool never never had one of those uh, uh i'm always looking for more harp covers i've had two uh, harp covers through the couple of years uh but let, let's move on to uh the custom cover and when yeah. i say when i say custom cover um noah daniel who is uh a german fellow who's been on the podcast before he was on the whole lot of glean episode he had done a lot of covers that i found kind of like astro b before i knew who he was because his his favorite site is was soundcloud and his username was not his name and i eventually was able to dig up his name and i ran across him on facebook and you know and now we're real friendly and we we talk all the time and he covers so many they might be giant songs not quite as many as daryl but a lot yeah. um to where these frequent covers like kai is another one kai pfeiffer who we you heard on music jail um carrie hearn who i've already mentioned and she's covered a lot of stuff i have actually sent my schedule my recording schedule to these four people and said, Hey, I haven't looked yet to see which of these songs don't have a whole lot of covers. Uh, but I bet you could guess. And if you want to write a cover, it'll be on the show. So basically (laughs) to these people that already are on the show so much, I'm like, Hey, uh, look through my recording schedule. And, um, if you see a song that seems like, Oh, this is a super deep cut or a B side. Uh, Greg probably is going to need, some covers for the cover section uh they record them and send them to me so uh you haven't heard it yet but before this episode comes out you're going to hear the mickey mouse clubhouse episode noah daniels did not one but two covers of the mickey mouse clubhouse theme personally for the show champion it's like these dudes are amazing and so he did this cover of contra coup and sent it specifically to me. It is not anywhere on the internet currently. Uh, you wouldn't find this in a SoundCloud search. Uh, I I would encourage him to put it up on his SoundCloud, uh, at least when this episode comes out, at the very least. Um, but for now, this is like a premiere of sorts of Noah Daniel 
uh, playing Contraku. So let's let uh, let's let the people listen to that. The second was worse by far than the first Cause it made me limerent Which is to say how it goes Couched in terms no one knows And if the choice was slim As if there's no synonym you dig it man yeah just the beautiful vocal harmonies and the accordion in the bridge um mm-hmm. it was such a fun treat I've, I've i've always thought like but you were saying earlier with the else like this is the first album no no accordion and i'm like this is a song that you know when when they do those things where they mix things up live for for no reason except to give themselves harder work and they <laughs> right. relearn a whole new arrangement of song i would love to see this with accordion and it, it sounds great yeah let's yeah come on giants let's hear like a, <laughs> a, a a quiet storm section where it's just songs from the else on accordion and guitar just like just accordion up a bunch of songs for me from the else because i'd love to hear oh god what would be good with accordion Bert? i don't know i feel like i feel like upside down frown could like with that like really kind of subdivided drum beat could be cool with just some like sustained accordion uh, uh chords over top that might be cool <laughs> i feel like part of the bee of the moth would mm. i feel like on accordion yeah. it's very early they might be giants that seemed like that could, that could translate pretty easily yeah, yeah. Uh, so noah's cover is just those three part like when it goes there's no harmonies in this no are, are there there's no harmonies in the original so when he adds that light little like high harmony in the in the in the chorus you're like oh hell yeah like his singing voice is just uh more captivating to me knowing that you know english is his second language and just his accent um gives a unique you know sound to his covers all of his covers um and yeah, the accordion, like he just writes his own accordion part, like this little counter melody that's nowhere, it's nowhere in the song. He just comes up with it. Uh, it's great. And like the little solo is great. It's just uh, overall very, very nice job. And I thank you, sir, kind sir, for sending me this cover um, by uh, request. So no Daniel, he's awesome. Uh, so I think we're in the, the, uh, the home stretch here. You need to score this song, Contra Coup. Uh, what are you giving it? I have been thinking about it a lot. I knew it was coming. Doesn't make it any easier. Uh, <laughs> be funny if after all the nice things I said, I was like 0.0. 0. Uh, I think, sucks. Sucks. Yeah, worst song. I know. I think. I think this one in my heart is like a is a solid 8.0. I think it is like very good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's it's not in my it's not in my top ten, but it is very close, and I and I think I listen to it a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think eight. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah. I'm I'm right there along with you. Um, 
I think I got to go a little lower just because I'm looking, scrolling at my other scores. Ooh, I gave Dig My Grave an eight. Do I like it better than Dig My Grave? See, that's the question. Uh, I gave Let's Get This Over With an eight. I think I like it better than Let's Get This Over With. You know what? I'm going to stick right along with you, and wow. I'm I'm going to do an eight because this song is, is fantastic. And we've said many reasons why it's fantastic. But I think it's like, uh, like I said, it's kind of like an, uh, an outlier in the Linnell discography in that it's this simple guitar-based song. I mean, it does have keyboard in it. But it feels like, and who knows, maybe it is, like, it feels like Flans wrote the music and Lin Linnell wrote the, wrote the lyrics and the melody. Something about it is like this weird kind of like Frankenstein of like the two Johns styles or something. It does have that vibe. Yeah. And it's yeah. just very, it's just very fun to sing. And if a song is as singable as this and has those weird, they might be giants qualities, like words that no one else puts in songs. It's just, it's just a very satisfying song to uh, uh, jam out to. And part of, it's also just part of a great collection of songs on the else. So uh, we are both saying eight. Now you uh, promote your stuff. You've got Jean-LucPouchard.com. Uh, should people head there to check out your stuff? Yes. Go go to jeanlucbouchard.com. Go to my Twitter and uh, tell everyone in your life to follow me um, at, <laughs> at jlucbouchard. Um, trying to think what else. I, I, I have a first season of a scripted comedy music podcast that I did called Famous Podcast. Uh, <laughs> you can find that on all the podcast apps. You can find it at famouspodcast.com. And it is, uh, it's a, it's a parody of interview podcasts with original comedy music I wrote for it. So check that out. And yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, people can find This Might Be a Podcast at all the places. I don't know if I even need to be saying these things anymore, but this might be a podcast.com. Uh, I want someone to make me a better website. You know, I got the domain. It's just like, whatever. You know, it's a Tumblr thing that has a real domain. Someone make me a website. I will pay you. It, uh, But yeah, it's got stuff on it. And we're on Instagram and Twitter at This Might Be a Pod. Send me voicemails. I must always stress that. Um, I like to hear new new voices popping up with opinions. It's, it's uh, 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 224-801-2930. Or you can email your thoughts to This Might Be a Pod at Gmail. Head to the Patreon if you want to... Uh, you know, get me above like minimum wage. Yeah. Cause I've broken it down and the amount I'm making on the Patreon right now is, is awesome. And I am not like going to stop doing the podcast if I didn't make money, but I broke it down to the amount of hours, the average hours I spend on an episode uh, for a week. And I think I'm at about at $15 an hour. So uh, that's cool. You know, but if you want to support me, it's patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. We got new magnets. So come get them. And Sean Luke, thanks again for being on. I love talking to new people, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, what a joy. Thank you for having me. Of course. 